This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we're going to do some news of the day, talk some Jonathan Taylor pizza deal and a couple other things, and then we'll hop into our another NFL draft preview with Owen. On Monday, we focused on our, our Badger class exclusively. Now we're going to open up, kind of just talk to the draft overall, and, and then focus on uh, some Packers talk, some Bears talk, some Vikings talk, because I know there's a few Badger fans that are either uh, a Chicago native or, or went to Madison and things like that. So we're going to try and cover more bases than just uh, the Green Bay Packers in this one. And then on Monday's show, we had a very exciting guest that we just wrapped up recording with in Alondo Tucker. Uh, he came on, talked about his championship in the Bucky's fan favorite bracket. So on Monday, we will have him, uh, we'll have that interview plugged in there. And uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. He was uh, very fun to talk to. So we're excited to put that out for you guys. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Ready to watch this draft. I'm very excited. Um, most likely this will be getting dropped the day of the draft for those of you who are listening. Um, you know, it's it's definitely exciting. I, I wish it was back to the format where it was – they didn't just stop after the first round. I always love just it keep going. Um, but I am definitely excited. It'll be filling a little bit of the airwaves, and uh, I can crack open a beer and watch some semblance of sports news, um, thoroughfare. Um, so I'm excited about that. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be nice to have something something new and fresh to talk about. Uh, the NFL draft is always fun, and I know this year it'll be a, a little different and a little weird, but that may bring some intrigue. I know we've already kind of talked about uh, or seen on Twitter the, the issues that might be popping up in terms of uh, all this going online, so that might uh, have an underlying entertainment factor, but Overall, I think it'll be really exciting, and I think this class has got a lot of good players, so I'm excited to see uh, where some of these college stars you know, end up. You've got Jonathan Taylor, you've got Joe Burrow, CeeDee Lamb, all these guys that were huge names in college jumping to the next level, so I'm excited to see uh, where they end up. But let's talk about this in our news of the day uh, with Jonathan Taylor franchise owner of uh, now some Toppers Pizza. Uh, he, he struck a deal with Toppers that put him not only in terms of a, a sponsorship deal, but also an owner uh, of four of the Toppers restaurants where if you haven't had it, it's, it's a local pizza chain in the Madison, uh, Whitewater, that area, southeast Wisconsin. So, Matt, what did you make of Jonathan Taylor making some big business moves? I think it's extremely smart on his end to do so. Um, you know, it's it really is tailored towards uh, college areas, um, you know, Madison, Whitewater, like you said, and then um, some other local places around Wisconsin. And 
and around. But I, I think it's really smart on his behalf, you know, set up something, use those connections he has in the Madison area already to, to get things going. Um, you know, people will be ordering topper sticks here um, left and right uh, as much, some of that money is going to him. Yeah, uh, I am a big fan of the topper sticks. That's usually a uh, a thing that I've that I'll order after a few drinks out at a bar. But uh, it certainly hits that spot, and it's cool to see Jonathan Taylor, you know, investing in a local product. I know it's mostly in college towns, uh, a bunch all over Madison and that area. But it's cool to see because you've got the Pizza Huts, that's you know an NFL sponsor. You've got Domino's, the big boys, but it's it's special to see that he's kind of investing in a local place. Uh, I'm sure he's enjoyed some some Toppers Pizza himself, and now he's a owner. So it'll be cool to to, to be buying from a, you know a franchise uh, that that has him a part of it and local. I always like to see that. So I thought it was impressive, and then really just the fact that you know I wrote this in the article about it yesterday. The, the guy uh, from uh, a football sense, uh, now a business sense, and I remember his major being like philosophy and astrophysics and all this stuff. It, it's kind of unfair how, ta- <laughs> how talented Jonathan Taylor is compared to other people because he's got a little bit of everything in his arsenal. Yeah, I mean, he's just a phenomenal person. He's the type of person that any business would um, probably want to do that. And it, it shows just kind of what the marketability might be like in a town like Madison when it comes to um, when when there's name and likeness comes out and players can start actually making some money off of who they are and the work that they've put into um, college athletics. So I think a, a star running back at Wisconsin or, you know, star left tackle or defensive lineman could could definitely you know find kind of niche like that to to get involved with so that they can do that so I think that's something that will speak to people recruits looking at going to Madison that hey you know there are opportunities around here you know you see some guys they stick around you know Josh Gosser's within the athletic department you know you got Alondo Tucker coming back so it's a place where people want to stay want to get involved within the community and I think that's just another testament to it a guy from New Jersey um, finding some things around him here in the Madison area and and glomping onto it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely exciting, and I think it's really positive news uh, for both Jonathan and uh, the Toppers and, and the Madison area. I think it's really cool to see uh, just just a guy like that, you know, so talented, so well-spoken, such a, a great athlete and, and person. So it's exciting to see, and I'm really excited to see where he gets to uh, in the next level at the draft. I'm, I'm anxiously waiting to see where he goes. Uh, I think a, maybe a Jonathan Taylor jersey of his uh, NFL future team is, is maybe in the arsenal. So I'm excited to see where JT ends up. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, this fantasy draft that CBS did. Uh, in light of the draft before that, they, they went ahead and drafted the top 35 stadiums in college football. And Wisconsin and Camp Randall actually came in at 12th. So I, I expected them to fully be in the draft. I didn't know where they'd end up. But 12, considering uh, the stadiums around it, is pretty high marks. So what do you uh, make of that? Yeah, it makes sense uh, about where they fell. I would expect maybe just a smidge higher. Um, for example, I think you could you could fight. I think Chip Patterson put the yell ball. I could see you fighting to get that a bit higher for the Badgers. But otherwise, you're looking at Beaver Stadium, Ben Hill Stadium, a.k.a. the Swamp, 
Tiger Stadium, Rose Bowl. They're in they're in the league company there with uh, Bryant Denny Stadium. So it, it makes sense where they're at. I think Camp Randall goes so far beyond the interior walls. It's the atmosphere around it is what really gets um, the love because it's that college vibe. Um, it's so quintessential that I, I think it uh, the inside is great, and I love the love Camp Randall, but I think what really makes Camp Randall is the ambiance around it and everything going on uh, outside of the stadium. Yeah, most definitely. It's a place that, that brings excitement uh, anytime you're in that uh, area or uh, participating in the, in the tailgating uh, in light of the game or if you're if you're just coming up the tailgate, you know, it can be a great experience. So I was glad to see Camp Randall get such high marks in, in that uh, environment. So uh, exciting to see. There were some other uh, Big Ten names on there. Of course, you look around the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State, Michigan uh, with the big house. Even Kinnick Stadium in Iowa is a special place. So it was it was well represented in the conference. And then I, I think that just speaks to, A, the college towns that, that Madison and in Iowa City in those spring, but also just the fans and the atmosphere. I think the Big Ten football uh, you know does a lot of things right, and I think stadium atmosphere is a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. All right, anything else we want to touch on news-wise? Otherwise, we'll get into our second interview with Owen. Yeah, let's talk a little bit of draft. All right, guys, stick with us. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our NFL draft landscape. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest once again. We had him on Monday's show to talk about the draft class for the Wisconsin Badgers, kind of talk about their strengths and weaknesses, things of that nature as they prepare for the NFL draft starting Thursday night, probably tonight if you're listening to this when this podcast first drops. We've got uh, Owen Reese on here again, and guys, he just started a podcast called The Voice of Reason so make sure to listen to this one, but also go over and hop uh, onto Owen's uh, podcast and subscribe and listen to that because he's been a, a great contributor to uh, not only these past episodes, but uh, to Bucky's fifth podcast uh, for a while now. So, Owen, thanks again for hopping back on. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, spent all football season without uh, Bucky's fifth quarter, which was a long time. So being on twice in a week feels good. There we go. There we go. Well, let's talk about, let's hop right into the NFL draft. You know, it starts Thursday evening. Uh, last episode, like we said, we talked about the Badgers. Uh, but let's talk about the overall class. I think there's there's certain positions uh, that, are, that are standing out more than others and some strengths and weaknesses of this class overall. So what do you make as, as an evaluator of, of kind of the strengths and weaknesses of this class? Yeah, so we'll start with the strengths. So running back is really deep. Obviously, like that's we're we're biased to Jonathan Taylor there, but I mean DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I mean even with this class could have been even better. Travis Etienne went back to Clemson, so very surprisingly. I mean so this was a strong class to begin with, and guys like Zach Moss and um, in the those mid rounds. I mean this will be. I mean we'll see Jonathan Taylor go. I don't know, probably in the second round, which I don't necessarily agree with, but. I mean, anytime you can get players like that, J.K. Dobbins, obviously we've seen the last three years as well. 
Um, so, I mean, like, it's it's a loaded class there. Wide receiver, it's, like, unprecedented. Uh, this has been the hyped class for a long time that uh, 2014 to this point has been, like, the big, big deal class, like Mike Evans and Odell Beckham and Sammy Watkins and, and that draft. And this class is, is seen to be similar to that with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and C.D. Lamb and even guys like Justin Jefferson and Denzel Mims and Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Rieger and LaVisca Chenault and all of the other, you know, they, you know, I remember Daniel Jeremiah said at some point that like 25 guys could go in the first three rounds or whatever, which is obnoxious. But, um, I mean, it, it is, it, it's a very, very deep wide receiver class, uh, which, I mean, it, it'll be fun to see the Packers obviously need wide receivers or at least a different skill set wide receivers. Um, offensive tackle is very strong. I think you'll see four probably in the first 12 or 13 picks, which, as an offensive lineman, I will always advocate that the big dudes get paid. Uh, we'll see that. Uh, defensive defensive interior is stronger uh, with Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. And then and even some guys we may see the Packers show some interest in, like Marlon Davison from Auburn, uh, Ross Blacklock, or Justin Matabuike uh, from Texas A&M. Uh, and then as well, the, um, the corner and safety classes are both pretty solid as well. Um, weaknesses, I would say – the uh, tight end class, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any taken until halfway through the second round or even the third round. Uh, there's just no real playmakers there this year as compared to uh, to the last, last few years. And then the other uh, position is actually like edge rusher, which it seems like we haven't had that in probably four or five years every year. Ad nauseum. Oh, edge class is one of the strongest in the, cl- in the, in the whole draft. And I think this year, like once you get out of Chase Young and some guys like Caleb on chase on from LSU or even, I mean, there's been talk of someone like Zach Bond being a first round pick or as a, as a quote unquote edge rusher, which I, I don't truthfully don't really see. But uh, I mean, outside of that, there just aren't a ton of guys generating a ton of hype as, uh, as pass rushers in this draft, at least in the first round. So, um, which, which like I said, is, is a bit of a, a bit of a, an aberration. And, um, and one of my buddies always said this, uh, Justice Mosqueda has been does a lot of work with the Packers and their stuff, but he always made the remark that uh, pass rushers are quarterback. Like, if you want a good one, you're going to have to get one in the first round type of thing. And so, I mean, that's pretty telling that if we've only got two, maybe three guys projected to go in the first round. Um, yeah, kind of jumping into that, you know, I, I totally agree with that running back class. It's honestly ridiculous where you could get a guy like Anthony McFarland who who has his shortcomings but you could probably get him in the fifth sixth round um, and, and he's got speed to burn and can really run the ball uh, we saw what he can do at Maryland so guys like that that you can get really late rounds like him and Zach Moss is crazy and then yeah the wide receivers you know it doesn't make it so that the Packers have to go first round wide receiver it's it's a thing of beauty but um, how do you think this draft will kind of go given everything will be done virtually and do you see any hiccups coming? I'm sure there will at some point. I think probably more so like on day three, like where things where there's the the time between picks is so much smaller, and the I mean just the the, the trading of picks uh, stuff has to happen so much faster. Uh, I, I mean to an extent, like I, I think it's like haha funny, like the jokes on Twitter and stuff, but like I don't think that we're gonna have dudes like on Zoom calls unmuted or whatever, you know, like. It, I have a feeling that there's enough dudes dedicated in for each of the 32 teams uh, to make sure that this goes smoothly enough. Like I said, I think 
I've seen some people say, like, they wouldn't be surprised at all if multiple teams have their picks skipped because they aren't able to get the stuff in. While there's always that possibility, like, if they're having some issues, like, it's not hard to, like, put it in the chat. Like, this is... Or send a text message, you know, like... Yeah, like, yeah, by the way, this is Brian Gutekunst, you know. <laughs> whatever, whatever proof they need. And then, by the way, this is our 30th pick. We're having some issue with our video. Like, I, I don't... And plus, like, half the time, too, like, all this stuff's going on. These reporters are tipping picks minutes before the picks happen anyways. So, like, and while supposedly a lot of them are saying, like, have have had to agree that they're not going to do that this year um, with kind of how this is going, but I, I don't think it'll be as big of an issue as, as Twitter wants to, like, make memes out of it being. Like, I don't think Dave Gettleman uh, is going to, you know, be sitting there with, try, you know, trying to figure out how to talk while he's muted or something. Like, that's, I mean... It's like I said. It's it's good to get jokes off on Twitter, but I really don't think there'll be any issues. Yeah, I mean this is the National Football League we're talking about. I think they've got enough guys uh, and enough resources that I'm hoping they can make this thing run smoothly. Um, let's get into the class uh, as it is overall. Who do you think are you know if you were ranking a big board, who's maybe the guy that you have uh, on the top player in the class? I know oftentimes you know you look at Joe Burrow. He's likely going to be the number one pick, and he's probably the biggest need for the Bengals, but maybe he isn't the best overall player in this class. So who do you have as your maybe top rated? Chase Young's the best football player in this class. I, mean, that's, I, I kind of made a joke about it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Bucky Brooks from NFL.com was made some remark about, like, yeah, I can't believe how little talk there is about Chase Young. And I'm like, literally since he played his first game of his sophomore year, everyone <laughs> knows this would be the first player picked, non-quarterback picked. like. I could have told you that after they, I don't know, he, he and Nick Bosa both had, I don't know, four sacks or whatever against Oregon State two years ago. And I'm like, yeah, Chase Young's the best player on the team. Like, Chase Young is the second best pass rusher in the country, and he's the second best player on his own team. Like, so he's been the best player for a long time. And as obviously, as we saw to start the year, he was on an absolute tear. Nobody could block him. And then team started to double and triple team him almost every single play, which then is one of my favorite traditions of all time, then leads people on Twitter to be like, well, I don't know, maybe his play fell off. He didn't have any sacks against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. And I was like, well, he had like five dudes blocking him every play. So, like, they, you know, they learned their lesson after he had three sacks or whatever the first game, you know. So, like, it, we, like I said, we've known this for a long time. I was down in Indy when the, uh, the Badgers lost to Ohio State in 2017 when they lost 27-21 to 21 in that Big Ten title game. And they were taking – Tyquan Lewis and Jalen Holmes, who were both mid-round NFL picks, off of the field on their fourth, their third and fourth down pass rush packages to put Chase Young on the field with Sam Hubbard and Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, excuse me. Like it was abundantly clear from the second that he was on the like he's the real deal. You know, like they were doing the same thing with Nick Bosa when he was a freshman and taking dudes off the field that were going to play in the NFL. Like Chase Young. As a, as a true freshman at 18 years old, is taking other grown men who are going to play in the NFL off the field. Like, it just really is, hasn't been that hard. Um, it makes my job pretty easy. Uh, so, I mean, to me, like, he'll be – I don't understand, like, the Redskins have taken a lot of edge guys, a lot of D linemen in general over the past couple of years. But, like, if they take anybody but him at two, if they don't trade out, like, to me that's it, foolish. I mean, like, he's not someone they quote-unquote need, but, like, he's the best football player in this draft. 
Yeah, I don't think there's really any question. I mean, six. 6'4", 6'5", 260, he has the size you want as an edge, but he also is just that rare blend of athleticism and speed that just is crazy. Um, but you also see, like, Isaiah Simmons is another great guy. Oh, they have all that, like, those skills, but then Larry Johnson, like, we don't talk about this a lot because, like, people don't know. Typically outside of their own team, people don't know, like, and they might not even know their own position coaches. Like, Larry Johnson's, like, the best position coach in the country. As he paid like it. <laughs> yeah, well, and he deserves it, right? Like, he's had, what, he'll have top, three top five picks out of the last four or five years? Like, he's obviously, like, he has a lot to work with, you know, but there's a reason that, um, you know, there's a lot of schools that get a lot of dudes. Tennessee, um, you know, other SEC schools, Texas A&M, they get a lot of dudes that don't always have uh, the top guys. I mean, even Alabama hasn't had a true, like, edge rusher picked very high in a while, you know, and, and that's something, like, it's – those guys, they get the finished products to begin with, but then they go to to Larry Johnson, Ohio State, and it's, it's not – I mean, it's the perfect match. Like, they get absolute thoroughbreds sent to him, and then he gets them tuned up and ready to go. So, like, that's that's something like, yes, they get the, the five-star recruits, don't get me wrong, but, like, just as important with that is that what they do once they get them because we've seen plenty of number one players in the country that don't end up in the league or they end up – transferring to a junior college and going somewhere else. Like Byron Cowart from Maryland a couple years ago went to Auburn, didn't know how to play football. And a lot of schools that if they don't have like that elite teacher there, like, well, like we're not getting paid to figure out how to do it. You know, like we'll pass you up. We'll get another five-star guy. And then, you know, they end up. So they don't, Ohio State doesn't miss guys and they don't, they don't um, have any flops. They've got another first round pick coming right behind them. Another top 10 pick in Zach Harrison. Um, So, I mean, like it's, it's a machine there, and it's – I mean, he's he's a result of the machine, but, like, it, at, they've got it figured out going on in Columbus, and that's – Larry Johnson has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at his – what he came in as a freshman. Obviously, he was built like a man already at 17, 18 years old, and then you look at what he looks like now, and it's complete transformation, and Zach Harrison has a very similar trajectory in a lot of ways based off of what you saw on tape and everything. But uh, just kind of looking at these guys, um, you know, you, you scout a lot of players at the Senior Bowl. Who are some sleepers, you know, on the other end? You know, we all know Isaiah Simmons. We know Jeff Okuda. We know kind of the top guys who, who had glorious careers in college. Who are some of the sleepers that people should know about? Okay, so one that when jumped off right away is Josh Ucci from Michigan. And he might end up, being pushed up here, it seems like he's had some momentum the last, I don't know, month or so, um, but he had a good senior bowl. He's in an odd spot because, like, he's a linebacker that's, like, a pass rusher, so, like, he's kind of like Zach Bond from the a linebacker-sized pass rusher, uh, but he's a guy, he's really effective with speed to power, um, kind of, they basically found ways to make him work at Michigan because, like, he's, I don't know, 6'1", 240. Right, so like he's kind of that. He's not big enough to like put your hand down and pass rush from every play, but he really he's not like a linebacker, you know, or he's not a a middle linebacker or anything. So, but he's the guy that I think someone near the end of the first round, someone like Kansas City or whoever, someone that can kind of take a luxury pick, and then um, or I mean, even like in the second round though, he could he definitely be a, a high value pick as a guy that is probably more of a situational pass rusher. Um, could probably kind of like we talked about uh, on Monday with Zach Bond, like he might be able to play Sam and base base sets or, or whatever, but his real value is going to be as a pass rusher. And in a class that is kind of weak, he's a guy that down at the senior bowl played very well and can push himself up 
with those teams that are hungry for pass rushers. Another guy uh, that I actually haven't seen a ton uh, of talk that I kind of expected was Troy Pride. He was a corner from Notre Dame. He was a track star, uh, extremely fast, and he played well down there. He's like 5'11", 195 pounds, but has the has that trump card of just, he's like, well, I'm probably faster than anybody I'm going to cover, uh, uh, which is huge for, like, he can be overly aggressive at the line of scrimmage because he has the recovery to make up for it. So he, those are two guys uh, that I really like down there. Guys like Ben from Michigan uh, and Jonah Jackson from Ohio State are two guys that are, uh, they're not the most sexy names or, um, you know, don't have, or they're not freak athletes, but those are two guys I think that from Big Ten programs went down to the Senior Bowl and took care of their business. I think they're guys that will probably be picked in the second to third round, maybe even fourth round, but they're going to be uh, dependable starters in the NFL for a long time. Well, let's get into our NFL favorite team a little bit. I know we, we all root for the Badgers on Saturday, but for us on Sundays, uh, the focus shifts to the Green Bay Packers. So, And I believe all three of us are Packer fans. So but where do you think Green Bay will be kind of looking at for pick 30, or is there someone that you maybe think the Packers are going to take versus who you would take in that position? Or, or do you see maybe uh, the, the Packers maybe trading back in that first round and in that early pick? Um, well, I can tell you for sure that the one thing that we do know about Brian Gutekunst is he's not afraid to move around, whether it's up or down. Um, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think they'll end up going to get someone to help Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I've been kind of advocating for Grant Delpit, um, AJ Epinesa from, uh, from Iowa, or even like Marlon Davidson from Auburn would all make sense. But I think at the end of the day, like, it's going to be too tempting to want to go get those receivers, whether they go and trade up and get Justin Jefferson on LSU or somebody, if he gets into the low 20s and is still on the board. Uh, I mean, Jalen Rager from Texas Christians, another guy, a big-time speed guy. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is someone that they like. Denzel Mims from Baylor all kind of fit the, the types that they seem to have at the wide receiver position. Uh, I had seen someone um, in, a, in a Slack chat somewhere else that made some comment like, well, that they were going to take, who you know, I, I think in that instance it was Marlon Davidson from Auburn, and uh, the guy, someone made a comment. He's like, well, then they should probably take a quarterback in the second round because 12 is going to retire if they don't get him some help, type of thing. So, like, I think at the end of the day, while obviously Aaron Rodgers like doesn't drive the decisions that they make as a front office, I think they are starting to tell like he's going to be 37 years old by the end of this upcoming season, and we've seen his his physical abilities are just beginning to deteriorate a bit to where he's just not, like, white hot all the time. Um, He can still come out and he can still have games where he's really impressive, but he's just not that MVP caliber player week in and week out anymore. So the more that you can surround him with more help uh, rather than Alan Lazard or Geronimo Allison or EQ St. Brown or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or uh, uh, Petroglyph Jimmy Graham, like – at some point, there needs to be some type of plus talent added outside of Devonte Adams, and I think finally this is where they do it. You can keep the guy, you can keep your quarterback happy. You can take attention away from Devonte Adams, which will just in turn make him more effective. Uh, and at the end of the day, ultimately, um, you know, it's whether we like it or not, it's an it's an offensive league, and the NFL wants to put up points so more people play fantasy football. So go get a dude. The, the rules are geared towards the offense. Go get a dude for Aaron Rodgers to throw it to. 
Yeah, I think I think that's where they're going to end up going. But I like that you brought up Delpit because that's the guy who I keep thinking that the Packers should take because you know at six three two fifteen or whatever he is, he plays more like a linebacker and can really help in that uh, way. You know, because the Badger or the Packers uh, play a, a lot of nickel and dime. Uh, very rarely have so many linebackers out on the field, so I think. He was a guy who was so good as a freshman and sophomore, he'd make sense. But I think I think a wide receiver makes a, a ton of sense for that. Um, you know, what areas, what other areas do you hope they address in the later rounds? Um, is there uh, somebody that you have in mind, you know, maybe for later that you think would be a really good fit? So obviously I'm biased here, but I want offensive linemen. I think that's something that when you watch, like, We've seen the Packers over the past few years, and, like, they drafted Elton Jenkins, and they've got David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley, who were good, right? And they signed Billy Turner and whatever. And they signed Ricky Wagner, which, like, cool, he's a Badger, but they let Brian Balaka go, and I think that was a mistake. But um, the big thing, so the Packers have drafted two non-college tackles since 2005. So I think that's something very clear, like, they value the athleticism that the players that typically play tackle do. Elton Jenkins is almost in that in that group, but he did play tackle as a freshman. Um, so, like, the only two uh, – Corey Lindsley is one of them that never played tackle in college that they have drafted since 2005. So I think there's some guys that in this class are, like, have Green Bay Packer written all over them. One of them is John Runyon Jr., the left tackle from Michigan. Um, I, he played left tackle there out of necessity. He was out of position. He's only, like, 6'4", uh, which Bakhtiari is too, but typically they, they'd like to have the bigger dudes there. Uh, to me, he's a guy he can slide into guard, or I think he could play center as well. Uh, nothing but revered for his football knowledge at Michigan. His dad, obviously, he has that pedigree. His dad was a, a longtime very good offensive tackle. Um, you know, at one point named the dirtiest player in the league. Uh, so I mean, like he's a guy that has that pedigree. He's been raised on on it and played well at Michigan for three years despite being out of position. I think another guy that that they could really look at is someone like Tremaine Ankrum from Clemson. He started at right tackle for Clemson uh, for the last two years, but he's six foot two, which again is not very big as far as the NFL is concerned. I think he's another guy could be put in at center or even guard. And in in the Packers offense, where they want to run this wide zone and get these athletic offensive linemen with Matt Lafleur, I think those are two guys that have the athleticism and the the, the past that the Packers seem to value. Obviously with Brian Gutekunst, we've only got two years worth of data on, but but coming from the Ted Thompson tree and having 13 years of Ted Thompson prior to that, I think we have a pretty good idea for the most part of of the guys that they will they'll keep their eyes on, and those are two of them. I think they need to add, they need to continue to be more, um, add more offensive linemen and be deeper there. That's something, we're only three years away from um, Latroy Guyon having to finish an NFC Championship game at guard because they ran out of dudes, and even the dudes they had in there weren't very good. So to me, I mean, like I said, I'm biased. I always think that you should there's you can never have too many good offensive linemen, but that's something where in this class in particular, there seem to be more day three guys that the Packers could like um, that than there have seemed to have been in the last few years. And and it's it's I mean, get while the getting's good because. You got to protect Aaron Rodgers, and you got to run the football. So I mean, you can't have too many good offensive linemen, and in particular, you can't have too much depth there, which is something that the Packers have seemingly lived off of with Justin McCray, who was an undrafted dude and then played in the Arena Football League for a year, and then he's like starting games for you the next year, and it's just a lot of that stuff. Um, Byron Bell and and just Lucas Patrick and these undrafted dudes, like just they're not. I mean. 
like I don't mean to knock them like individually, but like you just need to have better players than that as backup offensive linemen. And this seems like a good opportunity for that to happen. Yeah, I agree with you completely. As much as people want to invest in the receiving core, and of course they need to, you also need to invest a little bit in protecting Aaron Rodgers and, and establishing the run as uh, so many Badger fans like to see. Uh, I know neither of us care about the uh, Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings, but for our listeners that are fans of those teams, where do you see maybe some other uh, NFC North teams going and addressing in the NFL draft? Sure. So, uh, <laughs> at least for the Vikings, at least, I mean, like, obviously it has to make sense. One of those two first-round picks has to be a wide receiver, right? Like, they need yeah, to replace the sure. Diggs. Obviously, they got the first-round pick for Diggs, but uh, it was pretty clear he didn't want to be there any longer. Um, so, go get a first I mean, take, take a receiver in that first round, um, and then that's – Anything you can do, they continue to seem to want to pay Kirk Cousins. Um, so I guess as long as you're going to do that, you might as well give them as much uh, opportunity to win as you can. They've got Delvin Cook. They've got Adam Thielen. They drafted Herb Smith in the first or the second round, excuse me, last year. They've spent uh, two top two-round picks on offensive linemen the past two years in Garrett Bradbury and Pat Elfline. They drafted Drew Samia from Oklahoma last year in the fourth round, who I would expect to get time. Uh, I mean, Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh a few years ago has been a stud for them, a right tackle, right? Like, so, like, they've got that. And the defense continues to get older, but it's still good. I mean, they've still got Harrison Smith and, and Anthony Barr and, and Eric Kendricks, and they've got some dudes, Daniel Hunter. They could look at a pass rusher uh, with that other first-round pick. I don't know, Mike Zimmer was never afraid to take a corner in the first round. Um, so, I mean, like, that's the more where I think, like, one of them's got to be a wide receiver, uh, but the Vikings still, truthfully, do have, like, a really talented roster, and they have for quite a while. Um, and then as far as the Bears go, I think as long as Mitchell Trubisky is on the roster, you have to make every effort you can to to give him the most help, right? Like, you don't want to – it doesn't do anyone any good, including the dudes in the front office who will likely get fired if Mitchell Trubisky doesn't get any better to not – give him every chance to get better um they did go get Nick Foles on the trade from Jacksonville so obviously like there's some competition there for him now um but to me like their whole emphasis has to be get him as much help as possible they just cut Trey Burton um I mean obviously they signed Jimmy Graham but someone like Cole Komet the tight end on another name I think would make a lot of sense for them um they they want to uh be a better running team um, but they drafted David Montgomery in the second or the third round last year. They traded up to take him, uh, and they've got Tariq Cohen. So I, I don't know how much else they want to do. Maybe a right guard to replace Kyle Long. Uh, defensively, they still have a ton of talent. Um, I mean, maybe another edge rusher. But as we talked about, this isn't a super deep class. They don't have a first round pick. They do have two seconds. But I mean, I think they've got to continue to either look at a corner or a pass rusher in the second round. Um, they cut Leonard Floyd, and they did sign Robert Quinn. But Robert Quinn, um, remarkably, is only like 29 years old, which I swear he's been in the NFL for 10 years. But, is I mean, he's not getting any younger. Um, and, and you do need a third dude. They also let Aaron Lynch go. So, to me, anything you can do to help Mitch Trubisky, obviously you're you're limited there from the go. But, like I said, Adam Pace is going to get fired. Um, if Or Ryan Pace, excuse me. He's going to get fired if they don't draft someone to help, if they don't continue to help. Trubisky, I mean, he traded up to go get him, and, and as much as I enjoy every single joke about that, um, getting Mitchell Trubisky rather than Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, I, I mean, if, if you're looking objectively at the Bears, they need to help him out. Uh, I don't think he's had a ton of help. Um, I don't think that that's been the reason why he hasn't played very well, but he truthfully, like, 
objectively, they haven't had loaded offensive rosters there. So um, I think probably out of job security's sake for, for Pace and Trubisky, I think you probably need to go get a tight end or a receiver. And then that other second-round pick, either the offensive line or somewhere on defense to, um, you know, to make a strength stronger. I think a lot of people uh, assume that you shouldn't draft a position if you're set there, uh, which is – I understand, but at the same point, like, it's going to get weaker if you don't continue to add to it. So I'm always a big fan of um, making a strength stronger. So if they were to go with someone with a defensive line or, like I said, a pass rusher, I completely get that too. And at a certain point as a team, you need to have an identity. And typically those identities are made from being good at certain positions or good at doing certain things over a period of time. I mean, so anything you can do to continue to make that identity stronger um, will always be a, a welcomed addition. So I think that's something too where – if they want to, you need to help Mitchell Trubisky, but you also need to keep the defense good because you're probably not going to score a ton of points. So I think they've got two spots there in the second round. They can do that. I think they'll be effective with it. Um, but obviously you still have to play with Mitchell Trubisky. So I, 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 well, as much as I enjoy it as a Packer fan that they need to play all 16 games with Mitchell Trubisky, um, I mean, it is what it is from a job security standpoint. The GM went and got him. you got to play with him, right? So. Yeah, most definitely. I totally hear what you're saying, and uh, hopefully for our Bears and, and Viking fan listeners, uh, that gives you some insight as to where your teams are looking for, as well as our own uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's all I've got. Owen, again, we appreciate uh, you hopping on. If you guys uh, didn't catch it at the beginning, uh, make sure to check out his podcast, Voice of Reason. Uh, great insight, uh, as always, from Owen, and then, uh, guys, we'll be back with you on Monday, uh, as we mentioned already, with our Alondo Tucker interview worked in there. So thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin.